It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. What's up, pet pals? Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, Do you know what to do if your cat got bit by a dog? Or if your dog started choking on a chicken bone and passed out? It's hard not to panic, right? Fortunately, help is here and just in time for the holidays. Our special guest today is one of the country's top experts in emergency medicine for pets. And he's a pretty cool guy, too. For about two decades, he has been saving the lives of pets. He is now the founder of the Frisco Emergency Pet Care. It's a hospital in Frisco, Texas. Without delay, let's give pause and applause to Dr. Mike Losasso. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mike. Oh, well, thank you, Arden. Good to see (laughs) you again. I'm so glad to see you, man. He is one of my superheroes, everyone. As many of you know, I am a master certified pet first aid instructor. And uh, he's one of my go-to guys, and he has helped me very much be able to give good information out to people who have pets and those who want to become instructors. I miss you. I hate COVID, don't you? (laughs) It was not a good time. It was not a good time. And I can only imagine that your ER hospital was a hopping during uh, COVID. We got got extremely busy. Uh, All the emergency centers across the country got very, very busy. As, as staffing shortages and, and people calling out sick affected day practices, as well as curbside slowed everything down. Um, the emergency clinics really got um, really got a lot more work than they were prepared for. Yeah. Um, how did you the- How did you handle it? Because I think one thing I really want to address is the mental game and the emotional state, both for the pet parent and for the veterinarian, because it does impact what the pet is sensing, right? Oh, ab- absolutely. Dogs and cats both definitely feed off uh, off their, I'll say owners, their pet parents. Um, you know, it, and of course, in an emergency situation, everything is amped up from an emotional level because, you know, you don't come see us unless you have to. This is right. not routine stuff. You're not coming in for a well visitor for vaccines. We don't do any of that stuff. You come when you're when your baby is is sick or injured and that always creates fear. So how do with the staff? Because you as a veterinarian, how do you keep yourself in check? And in my classes, I think you taught me this. I said, everybody in class in my pet first aid class, you all have permission to freak out later. Yes. Yeah, no, you can't you you can't panic. You don't really have have time for that panic is uh is incredibly inefficient um, <laughs> yeah there's a good you know, so yeah the staff uh, my staff does a does a stellar job um 
you know, keeping them themselves calm and just moving on from uh, from one to the next. I think we do a, a pretty good job calming and reassuring owners when we can. Um, some of what comes in is is a difficult conversation. We actually are, since the last time I think we probably spoke, we've added two full-time social workers to our to our staff. I We're like the only that. hospital in the country that has taken that step. A lot of the university systems have have won, but we're open uh, 168 hours a week. That's 24 seven, 365, right? Yeah, and <laughs> and and one person just couldn't give us the uh, the coverage we needed. So it's fantastic to have. I like them this. Involved. What, that's kind of a new trend. So tell us a little bit more. What is their role? Give me a scenario and what they could do. They're, you know, they're, they, they do a couple of functions. So they are, um, they're both uh, master's degree licensed social workers. Um, and we look forward in the new hospital to taking, uh, taking on interns and, and expanding this for the, for the industry. But oh, nice. what they, what they really do for us is they are, they're there for our clients, you know, for people that are grieving because they're facing a, an end of life decision or even even more challenging are those folks that are trying to figure out whether that's the right way to go. I can give them the medical advice and say, look, this is this is what's going on. But ultimately, the decision is is theirs as the guardian, as a pet parent. Sometimes those things, tough, tough choices fall on you. and. I've been walking people through these decisions for a long time, and I, I think I actually do it reasonably well. But who does it a whole lot better than I do are people that are trained to deal with people's emotions. Um, they're also a huge boon to my staff because the staff needs to decompress. And so um, so they are very, very helpful when it comes to I love this. personal challenges and just the the burnout and, and compassion fatigue that can strike in in veterinary practice as well as in human medicine when when you're running and blowing and going for and my folks work long shifts by by choice they work you know 13 14 hour shifts um you're not only physically exhausted but mentally and emotionally by the end of the day so they are they're kind of our um ambassadors of fun is is the uh, the actual title they like to have oh uh, wow i think i got a new job career i'm looking for <laughs> yeah that's uh you know so they they handle um you know the birthday celebrations and, and those kinds of things for us as well as that, that very important um dealing with clients but but trying to keep everybody happier and on an even keel is is really important to so uh, word choice body postures i mean mm -hmm. can you give me a, an example of something maybe one of them helps somebody with, I mean, you're working a long day and you're getting a little frustrated, you know, pets aren't making it. What's some things that they do for you all? I know. Well, they keep, um, they keep a variety of, of things in the, in our little tiny staff room. Um, looking forward to a bigger one. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the adult coloring books, and those kinds of things. But when they, they go in, they, they can certainly decompress. One of the biggest things is to really, regulate your heart rate so they will oh. take them through some take them through some breathing exercises you know four four eight breathing if you inhale for for four and then exhale for eight oh. your your heart rate increases every time you inhale and it decreases every time you exhale so by lengthening that exhale 
process and making it twice as long as the inhale, you can really bring your your heart rate and your blood pressure down. It kind of helps with uh, with with heightened excitement you know, and, and bringing things down and feeling a little bit more centered before you leave for the day. I think right there, Dr. Mike, we've got about a minute before our first break. Have everyone that has an uh-oh happening to their pet, take a, take a pause, not the paw, the pause. Right. Inhale four seconds. Yes. And then exhale slowly eight seconds. Right. Do that about three times and you'd be amazed at how much calmer you feel. I think that's a great. And then you're able to maybe focus. I always say we need to be in, in my my cat, Casey's a safety cat. We have to be mm-hmm. in the me now. Yes. We can't do anything about what happened. We're not future predictors, but you right. got to stay in that present now lane, right? Yes. Yeah. You got to stay in the now. The whatever else you're feeling about what happened is not really relevant. We can, we can unpack that a little bit later. Oh, I love this. Hey, everyone. We're speaking with Dr. Mike Lasasso. He founded the Frisco Emergency Pet Care. It's a hospital in Frisco, Texas. It is just north of Dallas. And uh, he's the man to go to when uh, you need some good ER advice. After the break, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about his center. It's growing and give you all some tips, good and bad, what to do during the holidays and beyond. So hug your pet, keep your pet safe. We'll be right back. Pets, they're incredible, and I'll bet you your pet is the most incredible. So why not tell us about it? Our email address is flpetpals at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe your incredible pet will become the next four-legged life sensation. Remember, flpetpals at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're speaking with Dr. Mike Lasasso. He created the Frisco Emergency Pet Care in 2016. And I got to tell you, everything in Texas gets big. What's happened to your humble center from 2016 to today, Dr. Mike? Well, we we knew when we started with 4,000 feet and six people (laughs) that that it was was going to get... uh, going to get bigger. We have grown from being a two doctor nights and weekends hospital to being, we went 24 seven in 2018. We now have 11 doctors uh, wow. on staff and a, a total staff of about 65. So it has certainly grown and we have, <laughs> we have grossly outgrown the building. We knew it was going to happen. Right. We just didn't know when. So happy to say that the the new building is about three times the size of our leasehold. That'll be on Preston Road oh, good. Uh, in, in Frisco, still between Main Street and El Dorado, just like we were on Legacy. So you, are you going to buy this or are you own, renting it or what are you doing? We, we purchased the land and are building this building. So it is... Um, Pause! Just, applause! <laughs> yeah, they just got uh, finally a couple months behind, got walls up last week. So still looking at a probably a March to April move-in date. That will be that'll be nice. We've we've tripled the size of the building, which allows us to probably double the amount of pets we can care for. Um, have a lot, have an, an indoor walking space that the staff is really excited about. We don't have to walk patients outside anymore. That's always yeah 
it's the way the industry's done things for, for years, but I've always hated it. I don't like having dogs outside. There's traffic. We can't see what their eliminations look like from a medical standpoint. I don't know mm-hmm. what they did out in the dark. Yeah, you're sitting there feeding through the grass blades. <laughs> you know, and I was just, you know, the staff has, has talked to me. I don't work overnights anymore. I'm an old man. But um, the overnight folks say that they'll, you know, they'll occasionally see the coyotes. Just yesterday, we were driving in uh, in Frisco next to the uh, post office on Rolliter, and she was a beautiful bobcat, but she was out in the middle of the day, you know, slipped down a storm drain before I could get a picture of her. Wow. So those risks are there. So we've got an well, There's a couple walk. of trends. I mean, you have social workers now. The building mm-hmm. will be larger so that the pets uh, that are being at your place while they're mending, you can really find out because pee and poop are big clues, aren't they? Now, let's they get are. into it. Let's get into pee and poop. Yeah, no, they are um, definitely important. Of course, in in what we call emergency medicine, a lot of it is really more urgent after hours care. But sixty percent of what we do is is GI upset. Okay. Uh, oh so wow. That's a, okay. It's a glorious profession dealing with with <laughs> diarrhea more than half the day, but it it's a problem and it needs to be addressed. We also have a, a much larger isolation unit that has its own separate indoor walking area. Wow. Um, so it's you know trying to make sure that we that we're taking care of of everybody and not exposing anybody to something that they shouldn't be. Uh, we'll add a a three D cat scan. That's going to be the the most oh, um, wow. most exciting equipment add. We still do a lot of endoscopy, but that uh, that three D cat scan is going to be able it's going to really allow us to to see more than what X ray or even the ultrasound uh, is able to show us. Well, you've come a long way from when you uh, were working at the Animal and Bird Hospital in Plano. Oh, goodness. Yes, that is uh, quite a bit different. Yes. <laughs> How did you get into the field of veterinary medicine and what made you say, I, I dig the ER stuff? Well, the decision to go into veterinary medicine was made so long ago, I really don't remember. Um, were you in diapers? Uh, I mean, what the heck? Well, I was living in California, it, actually in uh, in Nevada at the time. And uh, next door neighbor had a whole bunch of horses. And I was just fascinated and said, you know, I, I think I was six or seven when I said, this is what I'm going to do. And the family brought us to uh, here to Texas, 1977. And so A&M was my was my route, you know. I, my dad talking had about Texas A and M, very, very good university. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good vet school. It's a great university. Yeah, I, I didn't think I went there for undergrad, and then I, and then I did four years of, of vet school there. So it was, it was never a question to me of, of where I was going or, or what I was doing, which is, which sounds great. And a lot of veterinarians will tell you that. What they don't tell you is that they didn't think of a backup plan. And <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a really good idea to have one. Yes, um, I didn't. I didn't apply to any other schools besides A&M, which is not the smartest thing in hindsight, but I got in, so everything turned out okay. Right. Um, and, and got into vet school on the first try, which is also, Unusual. you know, didn't have a backup plan for that either. So, <laughs> Are you all uh, listening, you veterinarian wannabes? He's giving you good advice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have, you know, apply to more than one school. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't give up the dream, but apply to more than, more than one. And then in... Uh, it was about 2003 when the, um, well, it was right before the twins were born that I, uh, I started just for extra money at that time was, was working some overnight shifts, uh, in an emergency hospital down in Dallas, which has since turned into a med vet, uh, which is a beautiful hospital now. But 
different than what it was when it was on Markville and, and found that, 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 that the fast pace, that the variety that I really needed, because honestly, as much as wellness is important and having things vaccinated is, is important for, for disease and annual physicals, just like I go get my annual physical, those things are critical. They're not my thing. Um, <laughs> you don't get giddy. <laughs> I know. And I, yeah, so, so I found, I found the, um, the rigors, the, the monotony of day practice. Day practice can be incredibly rewarding for, for a lot of people and, and God bless them because I need them. Yeah. I'm uh, just like, they need me. You know, nobody else wants to be up in the middle of the night dealing with, um, you know, some of these problems and doing surgery at, at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, but I found originally before Funny you mentioned the animal and bird hospital. I said, you know, the thing that will make the thing that will make me fulfilled as a, as a doctor and and bring some more interest in is adding non traditional species. I'll see birds and I'll see reptiles. Nice. And because then I won't be having the same flea conversation with every <laughs> owner and the same heartworm conversation with every dog owner. I'll be having I'll, I'll have this really varied experience and I'll be so happy. Yeah, actually, with exotic animals or non-traditional pets, um, yeah, ninety-five percent of that is husbandry, and you actually end up having the exact same conversation with those folks over and over and over as well. So, and finding finding good staff that can that can hold that macaw for his blood draw, um, or, or snakes, can be kind of a challenge. So, um, when I when I forayed into emergency medicine, kind of on a on a, oh, I have to, I have to make more money than what this day practice is bringing in. Uh, I was really bitten by that, by that emergency bug, and multi, working on multiple cases simultaneously, and not knowing what's coming through the door next. I love uh, that. Hey, we're speaking with Dr. Mike Lasasso. He is a leading ER and critical care veterinarian, and he is the uh, founder of the Frisco Emergency Pet Care. It's a hospital in Frisco, and by springtime, twenty twenty three. They're moving to a brand new facility, bigger in size, and have much more amenities and things to help both you, your pet, and the staff. We're going to dive into some holiday. I'm going to test the good doctor on uh, some holiday tips so that we don't really see you this holiday season, Dr. Mike. <laughs> so everybody, yeah. So everybody, you know the drill. Sit, stay. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And now you never have to miss not even one second of any episode. Why? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. <laughs> Bringing out the best in pets and their people, this is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're speaking with Dr. Mike Lasasso. He is the founder of the Frisco Emergency Pet Care Center, and we need to give that website out. You want to go ahead and shout that out to us? Well, it's kind of long. That's, that's uh, all right. We got strong typing fingers. That's right, but it's easy. FriscoEmergencyPetCare.com. It isn't just Dr. Mike at ER.com. <laughs> No, no, I got to get that, got to get that whole website in there. All right. Frisco emergency pet 
It also means I have the longest email address I have ever had. <laughs> so it isn't just holidays, but it seems like our dogs, cats, and other critters seem to get into an uh-oh situation, Dr. Mike, on a weekend, right before your vacation, on a holiday. Do they have something against us? What is it? Because you seem to pick up pace oh, on those times, right? They, they do seem to have a sense of timing. Um, <laughs> things... Things go wrong. It's not just it's not just your life. It's mine too. Um, everybody listening, you know, things go wrong at the worst possible time, and certainly, certainly happens with dogs and cats. Right before you go on vacation, while you're on vacation, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> so let's go through some things because I want people to separate fact from fiction. Okay. And you're the man. So everybody listening. Well, I will try. Okay. Your dog or cat gets really a bad scrape on their torso or they, you know, they got bit and it's bleeding. So, good doctor, should I just reach for the bottle of hydrogen peroxide? Well, uh, number one, all bleeding stops. Um, but <laughs> two, um, peroxide is really good for getting blood stain out of jeans. Um, <laughs> but it is really not something that you want to put on any living tissue. Peroxide is uh, actually pretty caustic. You can't see that effect, um, but it definitely will kill cells that it comes in contact with. So it's, uh, you know, our folks used, my folks used it. My folks also used mercurochrome. So, I mean, that's how old I am. Um, so, no, I would stay away from the uh It's destroying the healthy tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, a little, put a little pressure on that. And that, um, you know, depending on, What's going on? Certainly, if a little pressure is not enough to, to stop that, then you need to seek uh, seek attention. You know, do we have an artery bleeding? Do we get cut deeply enough? Um, what confuses a lot of people is actually you can have a pretty good sized laceration that doesn't cut through enough enough blood vessels to actually bleed very much at all. Um, and sometimes we'll see those later on, especially with grooming accidents. People with um, Oh, yeah. You know, and cutting the mats out behind the ears will actually cut with nice sharp scissors. The dog didn't even move, didn't even feel it. But there's now a you know a two or three inch laceration back there that isn't bleeding, but needs to be put back together. I'm going to test your memory. Everyone, uh, because he's one of my mentors in pet first aid, you, one time I was at your ER clinic and a guy walked in with a big old lab in his arms and he had... Uh, pulled out the dog, somehow yanked some nails out. And he came in the ER lobby and there was blood spraying all over. People were ducking, walls were getting splashed. And you all took him in the back, the dog, and it took a long time, but you had to use silver nitrate to finally stop the bleeding. But mm. I remember you said to me, which is a good piece of advice I want you to share in more depth. You said, oh man, I wish he would have called ahead. I would have left him in the back door because he has now traumatized the entire lobby. And it was uh, a crazy night in the ER. They, they, they certainly can be, um, you know, those, those nails that, that they get worn down or you, or you cut them, you know, if you cut them too, um, too short and maybe the, the dog was relatively relaxed, but then, uh, and then gets excited and blood pressure comes up and now he's bleeding from all of his feet. Um, uh, a lot of times when people call, we'll have them put 
flour or something else on there. Oh, just regular uh, flour from the kitchen. Regular flour from the kitchen increases surface area and helps kind of a cloth form. The reality is, is especially with toenails, um, yeah. if, if you just let them calm down, put them somewhere where they're not going to make a mess. Um, and that elevate above the heart. <laughs> I always say, here. you know me, everybody, pause yeah. up. Yeah. There's a pause up time, right? Yeah, just... Um, if you if you if you just let them be out in the out in the backyard for for ten or fifteen minutes, uh, most of that's just going to stop on its own. Uh, those things are typically not necessary now. If it's if it's so bad that we've got to use um, silver nitrate sticks, I hate those things. Um, if you've ever used silver nitrate on yourself, you'll know that it's exquisitely painful. Um, but if the other the other mechanisms that we have will work, then sometimes we have to. Re- resort to that generally those guys are sedated because it is it is painful yeah you did help um, that labrador but that, that it looked like a yeah. war room in your mm-hmm. lobby yeah so yes. i think if you have a really nasty trauma don't you think it's even though you're going to the er it's always good to call ahead you guys want to be prepped right well we we do like to know that it's coming the other thing that happened really with the coming of the lovely covid virus is that all of the emergency centers got so overwhelmed and and we're still that way is that sometimes we will have to close to new patients. It's not a, not a decision we take lightly and not something any of us want to do. We got into the profession to see pets after all. So when you show up at the door and we say, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't see you. It's because we've got there's, and there's no people get confused because there's no cars in the parking lot. It doesn't look like there's anything going on. Yeah. what you don't see is in the back, I've got 10 critically ill patients that are all trying to, to die in spite of us. And there's only two or three doctors and we're doing everything we can. We physically cannot take on something else without without really altering the care we're trying to give to some of these critically ill guys. Well, I'm so, glad you brought that up. Yes. Yeah. Call, absolutely. Call ahead just to make sure that, that you can be seen. Um, and of course, if this is during the day, call your call your primary um, you know, veterinary care provider. What we call and, your and day there vet. is, you know, I I know there's vet uh, uh, telehealth too. It's mm-hmm. kind of growing too, and and maybe that can help on some mild to moderate cases, right? Right. T- telemedicine certainly can help because you because you found a, a a bump on your dog or something that is not it doesn't seem urgent, but you want to get somebody to look at it. Uh, I think telehealth is going to expand quite a bit. It is not something that we are in any way, shape or form prepared for in emergency medicine. It's kind of like the concept of working from home. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. To be did you work off. from home during the COVID, uh, Dr. Mike? <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, know, that, that's a good point. But it's, it it's a good, um, you know, compliment to be able to, to help triage what is needed to go to the ER and what is not. You know, the holidays, uh, even beyond the holidays, Dr. Mike, we are bringing foods in and other things. And, and, the, and the whole routine in the house has changed. And dogs and cats are both curious. So let's talk about the theobromine that's found in dark chocolate. Versus that artificial sweetener xylitol that seems to be popping up in everywhere, in yeah. uh, you know even peanut butter. Yes. So tell us about the dangers of those two things and uh, what we can do as 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 folks with our great pets. Certainly. So um, dogs are 
theoretically sensitive to theobromine, which is the form of caffeine that's found in chocolate. Chocolate season started for us on October 31st, and it ends after Easter. <laughs> there you go. Because we have we have Halloween, followed by Christmas, followed by Valentine's Day, followed by Easter. So, so for half the year, we are inundated with, oh my God, my dog got into chocolate. The realities of chocolate are not quite as significant as maybe the media would have put it out or people always assume that, oh, my my um my hundred pound Labrador ate a Hershey's kiss, he needs to go to the emergency room. And, and we see those. Uh, if those people would call us first, we'd say, don't do that again. Um, yeah. because the reality is is there's just not enough there to um to do anything, probably not even stomachache in a dog that size. Okay, well chocolate. we gotta we're gonna be taking a break real quick because I wanna okay. get back to chocolate versus xylitol. I feel like a yeah. Jeopardy quiz show. Uh, let's take a, a quick break and come back with Dr. Mike. So sit, stay, and keep those chocolate bars away from your pets. We'll be right back. You need even more Arden Moore? We're online at fourleggedlife.com. And don't forget, we post all of our guest interviews plus lots of other goodies to the Arden Moore YouTube channel. Welcome back. Oh, come on. We weren't gone that long, were we? This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're talking with Dr. Mike Lasasso. He is the founder of the Frisco Emergency Pet Care. It's a big, big growing hospital in Frisco, Texas, just outside of Dallas. He was talking about chocolate versus uh, the, I always say theobromine. Is that right? Or I'm, I'm a radio host, can't pronounce it. And uh, xylitol. And it's not good for dogs to have the dark chocolate, obviously, and some can have a reaction. Continue on. But I want people to know that xylitol is creeping up everywhere, and they're calling it birch sugar. Yeah, xylitol is the devil. And we'll uh, (laughs) definitely want to to, to get to that because it is a scary, scary um, chemical. So just going back to chocolate, realize that the darker the chocolate, the more caffeine is going to be present. So in white chocolate, which my wife will tell you is not actually chocolate. Um, <laughs> you go, Dr. Heather. <laughs> there's, 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 there's essentially zero caffeine um, in, in white chocolate. Milk chocolate has a little bit more. Dark chocolate has more really expensive dark chocolate. Uh, the 83% stuff has has more. And then baker's chocolate is actually the, the very worst. None of us would eat that, but oh. dogs will. So... Keep that in your pantry. Baker's chocolate actually will cause the real problems we see with caffeine. Caffeine is a stimulant. And in dogs, not only does it make them wired for sound, it also causes, potentially causes some heart arrhythmias and and can cause some major problems. But you've got to get into a lot of it. You've got to almost want to be toxic with, with chocolate. So if your dog gets into chocolate before you, um, freak out. <laughs> Don't freak out. Freak out later. Call us and let's talk about the amounts and exactly what it was because chances are you don't need to do anything. Okay. Um, we do have, I mean, we'll be vomiting chocolate dogs because they come in, but if they didn't come in, they would probably be just fine. So, so call your provider before you get too excited about um, chocolate. 
Okay. Xylitol is a totally different chemical. So xylitol is a, it's a sugar alcohol, it's not even a sugar. And this is a fantastic sweetener. It's about a thousand times sweeter than sugar. And so for people, especially for diabetics, it's a great thing. It does not cause an insulin release in people. So it's used from everywhere from, from hard candies to, to toothpaste to, um, yeah, there are even some products made specifically for dogs that have xylitol on them. And I really question those water additives. Um, but the, the toxicologists tell us that there's so little xylitol there that, that it won't make a difference. But, you know, there's really no reason for a dog to have something sweetened. But people and dogs are different. Yeah. And, and what we see in dogs is when a dog ingests xylitol, their system thinks that that thousand times more powerful than sugar is actually sugar. So, so dog eats, um, you know, certain forms of, uh, especially gum, the, yeah. uh, the, the orbits, the little, the kind of the squishy squares. Yeah. have got a tremendous amount of xylitol in them. And so the dog's body thinks he just ate a five pound bag of sugar and oh, no. he, he releases a tremendous amount of insulin to counter the sugar isn't actually there. And if you take insulin when you don't have high blood sugar, then you get really low blood sugar. And we certainly have seen some dogs come in. Um, they walk like they're drunk. They're very weak. Their blood sugar is incredibly low. And this, these are you know, hundred pound Labradors that are, that got into mom's purse because she left it on the floor and she chews sugar-free gum. So be really cognizant of everything you've got that's sugar-free. We use peanut butter to give medications to our pets or to give them as a treat or to give them their heartworm pill or whatever you're using peanut butter for. There are now some, uh, not the big companies, but some of the smaller um, the organic peanut butters that will actually put xylitol in <laughs> instead, of, instead of sugar. So make sure that what you're giving your dog does not contain xylitol. There is also, in addition to this really easy to understand low blood sugar problem, they end up hospitalized with us for a couple of days sometimes, is there's a, there's a dose effect that the more xylitol they get, the more likely it is to happen, but there is a real good chance of liver failure that oh. we don't really understand quite yet. Um, but that's obviously not something that you want because liver failure is kind of hard to come back from. So in, in for the holidays, People are coming over. Get those purses off, uh, out of paws reach, and yes. realize, read the label of the peanut butter before you give it in a Kong or whatever, because unintentionally, you could be taking your dog to see you. Yes, absolutely. Xylitol is the, the, the number one toxin. that It's the number one most avoidable thing. If, if you just knew, if people just knew that xylitol was, was toxic, and, and it's a weird word um xyl is the way that starts um that's a great scrabble clue man you win a lot of money a lot of points on that. Yeah. get that on a triple word <laughs> well let's go for the holidays too because how do you keep your house safe uh what kind of pets do you have as the holidays are approaching dr Mike? well i am fortunate and unfortunate that i've got just one dog at home um the, the, fantastic girl we just what's love her, her name she's listening. her name is bubbles one of those you know really aggressive pit bull kind of names um but she is a she is a blue 
the blue pit bull or what <laughs> other people call gray. Right? I call up. I say when pe- me, I call uh, pit bulls meaty cheeks. Yes. When they smile, they got the meaty cheeks. <laughs> yes, she she certainly does. But that that gray color in in pit bulls and Dobermans and Great Danes leads to lots of skin problems. So we are constantly um, a- addressing her uh, her skin issues. But I'm fortunate that she's not a counter surfer, um, so she doesn't take things off the off the counter. She's extremely food motivated, but but motivated for her food, which is um, I'd love to take credit for that. But she was like that when she came to me. <laughs> Well, Bubbles, you got mentioned on our show. That's awesome. That's that right. brings me to the point, counter surfing, because some people really are good bakers and they're letting the dough rise, either make bread or cookies. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding there's a double whammy that can happen. We've got a couple minutes left on the show. What what can happen inside the belly of a dog or even a cat that gets into um, uh, unbaked rising dough? Right. So if you're if you're making bread with, with or something else with with yeast and um, usually dogs cats could do it cats do some funny things but um, dogs will generally eat that eat that dough while it's rising and that does a couple things number one is it continues to expand it will rise in the stomach and gets pretty uncomfortable as it as it's taken up some space but one of the one of the um, metabolites that the yeast you're doing with those carbohydrates, if, if you make beer at home, is alcohol. And so we are always concerned about actually alcohol poisoning in these dogs that get into the bread, as well as um, having a uh, you know, having a, a stomach full of bread. So, um, wow, that is you know, that's like you, you could die of alcohol poisoning, and it's like it, your your stomach it, it, has become an oven. Right. It certainly, um, certainly complicates things. So you can, uh, I, I would advise you actually to, it's one of the few times I, I have you give anything. We actually encourage people if they'll drink ice water to, to have really? them drink ice water that slows the, the metabolism down a little wow. bit and then get them in because those guys need to be, um, we induce emesis, although, uh, the veteran world would just normally say barfed. <laughs> yeah. You had me at that word. You had me at that yeah. word. We got a minute left. Um, what's a message you want to give all the folks that are blessed to have dogs, cats, and other critters to keep the holidays safe? Well, be be really careful. Realize that those um, those Christmas lights that you've had up in your attic, along with all your Christmas candles, that plastic smells funny and it smells good. Um, just be mindful if if your dogs do or cats. I've seen that too. End up chewing on the on the Christmas light um, strand then unplug that before you touch them, right? We see electrocutions and those are bad. Um, the other thing I would warn folks, especially the cat people about at Christmas and at Easter. So at Christmas, we have tinsel on the trees. Uh, that's kind of an old thing, but I think people still do it. They love those little strings and those can be quite the foreign body. Easter grass typically is worse. We see those things too. So just be really really mindful if you've got those things in your home that you're, you're paying attention to what your, uh, what your pets are doing. I can't believe the show is already over. I've learned a ton of new things from you and I really like that you're trying to keep it safe for our pets. I really appreciate you being on the show, Dr. Mike. I want to give a shout out to all of you listeners. I really appreciate Coast to Coast and our wonderful sponsor, Tevra, the maker of some great pet products, T-E-V-R-A, Dot com. So until next time, 
This is your host, Arden Moore, saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch full-length video versions of our guest interviews, our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. And have a pawsome week.